Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm all right. No cabin fever yet, but I can certainly see it on the horizon. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. I'm watching right now. There's a big press conference with every swinging goober in Alabama's government coming out and basically saying, okay, no, no more restaurants, uh, no more books, no more teachers, dirty looks, nothing, nothing. I mean, we got nothing. And um, yeah. this is a great segue, though. I have a great segue for you because uh, for a limited time, Postmates is giving all of the locked on listeners $100 of free delivery Ooh. credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, and Lord knows you're gonna need some Postmates out there, people. What a deal! I mean, we need deals in this economic uncertainty. We need deals. There's a hell of a one right there. Um, yeah, this Corona thing is getting to be. I think this it's is gonna mess story. around and be serious. <laughs> it's a big story. It's a big story. I can see why they put it on the front page. So I, I still, and I guess I, you know, we said earlier, we don't know if we're underestimating or overestimating it. Um, if we're underestimating it, I don't see how. I mean, I mean, I literally, I was so glad that Walmart put out some more toilet paper and I don't need any that I bought some. <laughs> and I, I mean, I could, I could live through, Six weeks of Montezuma's revenge over here. <laughs> well, good, good. That's uh, it's good that you have it, and 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 good that you added to the panic. That's yeah. uh, But no, we have we have plenty only of had to push paper as well. Only had to we push two senior food. citizens down to get it. <laughs> we probably have more food in this house right now than we've ever had. Just uh, just because. It just seemed like the right thing to do. But no, uh, I just urge everyone. I watch, you know, being home a lot, just sort of, I wouldn't say a quarantine by any means, but uh, I've, I've just myself limited the amount of uh, people interaction I have by limiting my work hours, uh, trying to maintain that social distance between people when I am around people. Uh, uh, basically turn into a part-time. I go into my office, but I'm only there four or five hours. Uh, and just, just limit your time around other people. You don't have to, I don't think at this point anyway, I don't think everybody's got to barricade themselves inside and never leave the house for weeks upon weeks. I mean, you can do that. It would be helpful if everybody did that. But uh, it's not necessary. Just be very wise about all of your activity. That's it. Well, Speaking of somebody who's rather wise because he's 117 years old, that's Ashawn Robinson. He has signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. No, Los Angeles Rams. Los Angeles Rams. Rams. Yeah, cool. Uh, he gets to uh, line up. I mean, is there a better situation in the NFL than being a defensive tackle alongside Aaron Donald? Who's, I mean, you got a triple team Aaron Donald. So Ashawn should get a lot of opportunity. Uh, just by lining up next to Aaron Donald, that's uh, that's fantastic uh, and uh, a big money deal. And he has proven worthy. I think this contract itself it just proves uh, that that he he was a legitimate first round pick when he went to Detroit and did well enough there to uh, to cash in here with a pretty pretty good uh, 
pretty good contract from from the Rams. Yeah, and um, you know, there were some folks in Detroit that were like, "Eh, it's not that big of a loss," but he was hurt last year. Um, okay. And I, again, I think it's a big pickup for the Rams. Now, what's weird is as the Rams are seem to be solidifying their defense, they just released Todd Gurley. They did. Today. It was a money move more than anything. But and I watched some of the coverage of that, Luke. And what I was surprised. I mean, I keep up with the NFL pretty good. I can't spit it out like we do Alabama stuff. But uh, Todd Gurley's production fell off the map last season. From 2015 to the present time, he's like the sixth most productive running back in all of the NFL in terms of yards from scrimmage. But last year, his numbers fell off, and and, and it, it doesn't appear injury-related. I mean, the NFL Network was going out of the way to say, you know, it's not like we know of an injury, but his production, he went from, I mean, off the top of my head, 4.8 yards a carry to 3.3. You know, and and, yeah. and it could be the players around him. I don't know. But anyway, had the Rams kept Todd Gurley beyond today, they would have owed him a $10.7 million payout. Uh, by releasing him, uh, they only owe him $7 million. So they saved $3 million and, and are just going to go in another direction. So it, it was really money and a fear they have that uh, that his skills are declining. It also lets you know – it makes me feel worried for Derrick Henry because, you know, it, it doesn't take long in this league for yeah. a team to Happens overnight. love well, you and then one. say – yeah. So Especially um, at that position. They'll give up on you in a heartbeat at running back because there's just this thinking that uh, running backs have shelf lives and, and everyone's is a little different. And Gurley did carry the ball a lot at Georgia, you know, before he ever even got to the Rams. So – We'll see. Uh, sometimes I think for a player like Gurley, uh, a change in environment could rejuvenate him. And I, I think the Falcons might be a landing spot for him. They released their running back, Devontae Freeman, this week. Uh, Gurley has a lot of fans in Georgia. They'd probably like that. One other uh, interesting landing spot to me would be Tampa Bay alongside Tom Brady. So we'll we'll see. Um, Jimmy, this is uh, weird. I'm not seeing my usual uh, – how long this call's been going off timer on here. So I'm not really sure how long we've been doing this, but Mine I'm going to go ahead and take minutes. her. Oh, okay. You can see it. Okay, good. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the 2008 iron bowl uh, for you. For those who don't know, we've been going back through the 2008 season and pick out a few games. We've already done uh, the Clemson game, which kind of started it all, and then the LSU game. Uh, we skipped over the blackout game, but you know, I'm I'm feeling nostalgic. I may want to go back and do that one. I don't know. Um, and then we're going to probably do the 08 Florida game, which broke all of our hearts uh, for Monday of next week. But this week is the 08 Iron Bowl, so let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about it. All right, Jimmy, we're back. First of all. Um, I want to throw out there that uh, Lawrence McCrary, our buddy who uh, got us kicked off on this whole podcast idea with Talking Tuscaloosa, um, the Talking Tuscaloosa Twitter feed is still alive and well, and and he posts some and I post some through it. But he had a great tweet, and it, it really it didn't go viral necessarily, but it went it was very very highly trafficked. I, I guess that's how people Yikes. say things. Good um, lord. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's going it to jail. Was, uh, um 
it was, okay, several quarterbacks, like 12 different quarterbacks, one for each month. And then um, several wide receivers, I guess 31 wide receivers, one for each day of the month. And so your birth month and birthday was the wide receiver um, quarterback combo for you. And mine happened to be Jalen Hurts to Marquise Mays. And Marquise and I, I tweeted back, hey, I've got Mark, uh, Jalen Hurts throwing to Marquise Mays. Oh, shit, he overthrew him. Um, and, <laughs> and Marquise Mays said, man, you ain't overthrowing me. He tweeted back. And so I said, hey, I, I love that. And just letting you know, we're watching the 08 game where uh, you had a touchdown at the end of the game, and he just liked it. So it's kind of cool that old Alabama guys were catching on to that. I dig it. No, that is a that is a good a good story, and and when you go back and watch these games, you forget how how good these how good these guys were. And uh, Mays is certainly up there. I mean, Mays was freshman in 08, just like Julio. I yeah, think. yeah, that's right. I think he was a um, redshirt freshman. I don't think he was part of the uh, the 08 signing class. I think he was a redshirt freshman. But but uh, yeah, he was a big uh, big part of our success in 08, 09, 10, and 11. Um, so 08 Iron Bowl and. Just like most Iron Bowls in Tuscaloosa, I have no idea why this is. It's rainy or it's freezing cold or it's both. In, in Auburn, it's always sunny and and everybody's holding the hands and singing Kumbaya. And in Tuscaloosa, it's rainy every freaking time. And um, <laughs> it was rainy this time. And um, it it started off kind of lackluster. And it was one of those Iron Bowls where Alabama fans are just sort of nervous for a while. At least I am. I always look at the Iron Bowl that way. And I'll tell you what, though. Glenn Coffey ran like a military guy that he became in that game. He ran with authority. <laughs> he was the star. I mean, if there's a star in this game, the star of the game is Glenn Coffey and – the Alabama defense held Auburn to, to just, I think, 170 yards, which is outstanding in any era of football. Uh, hold and, and that first half, it was a little – I don't know if ugly is the right word. Alabama were unable to pull away offensively. Didn't have a great half offensively. Of course, Auburn, you know, Auburn has, you know, a handful of dudes all the time. The biggest point I want to make about the game, though, I'm watching – and it's a point we can make because we'll probably do a few Iron Bowls if we, we keep up this uh, format for a while. One thing that's true about the Iron Bowl, not every year. I mean, every, every rule has its exceptions. But here's a general rule about the Iron Bowl that proves true. The best team usually wins this game. There, there's not a, a big history of upsets. I even get upset every year the Iron Bowl rolls around and somebody who clearly doesn't know the series well says something like, well, in these rivalry games, you can just throw the record books out the window. That is absolutely wrong in the Alabama-Auburn game because history shows whoever's had the better season, whoever's the better team usually wins this game. And even though Auburn had won disgustingly six times in a row, let's just be honest here, in those six years, how many times did Auburn upset a better Alabama team? I, I, Zero, I don't know if it happened about. at all. Well, yeah, well, oh two, oh two. 0-2, yeah, what kicked it off. We should have won in 0-2. Alabama was a better team. That, that's a great, but, but, a great point. But, but there, there is the caveat that um, when your coach is mentally checked out, right. it, it is the, the great equalizer. 
If not right. not an equalizer, it actually made it imbalanced in favor of Auburn. So, no, Auburn wasn't the better team, I don't think. I think Alabama clearly was the better team. But when you have a coach that's not paying attention, right. it, it it sort of yeah. makes oh, things go the fault. way. I'm, I'm fine with saying the 0-2 loss to Auburn was Franchoni's fault. I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine with saying that. That's why I'll forever hate him. And in another exception to the rule, I think it's fair to say the year before, maybe Alabama stole one from them when when That's Andrew true. Zhao had his uh, one of his career games uh, in an upset win at Auburn in 2001, uh, coming in for the injured Tyler Watts. But, but uh, the best team usually wins this game. And though Auburn had won six in a row, uh, as we pointed out, maybe five of them deservedly so because they were the better team. And going into this game, there was absolutely no question who was the better team. In fact, I think Auburn was five and six coming into the game uh, or six and five or something extremely average while Alabama was undefeated and, and ranked number two in the country. Alabama didn't look like the number two team in the country offensively in the first half. Uh, but in the second half, particularly in the third quarter, I think Alabama really turned in a dominating performance in the third quarter, playing really well on both sides of the ball. Glenn Coffey, again, controlling the tempo of the game, the offensive line, very, very underrated group. I think in Alabama history, even that offensive line was very good. Uh, we were sort I wouldn't call our offense one dimensional because John Parker was pretty good, but we made no bones about the fact that we were going to run the ball in 08 and we did. And teams just really couldn't, couldn't stop it. They, you know, we weren't a, a, a juggernaut, but we could run the ball effectively with coffee and Ingram behind that 08 offensive line, really good group uh, spearheaded by Andre Smith, who would go on to be, I think, the fifth or sixth pick, fifth, sixth, seventh pick uh, by the Cincinnati Bengals. Fifth. Yeah, fifth sounds right to me. So um, great, 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 uh, just in, uh, in, in some, a great example of Alabama was the better team. Alabama should win this game, even though Auburn had a six game. It was, it was, it's fair to be paranoid because we'd lost to Auburn six years in a row. But, man, it felt really good. It was fun to watch. <laughs> and a dominating second half offensively and defensively. And at the end of that game, Luke, as, as uh, at, at the end of the game, I was feeling like, you know what? You know what? This team could beat Florida. Who's This team could beat Florida. I know Florida's the better team and has more good players, but we've got a shot. Um, first of all, we were number one, not number two. We were one. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we were one. Um, okay. But, and Florida was two. Um, wow. So, yeah, oh, they had lost Ole Miss. That's they lost Ole Miss. That's right. They lost Ole Miss. Um, yep. um, anyway, so yeah, Glenn Coffey, big game. And, you know, he ran like a disciplined military guy, you know, and of course he ended up going into the military. But, um, Eric Anders, after Coffee had a big run for a touchdown. And I – again, it's how your mind plays tricks on you. I thought that Coffee's run came like late in the second half and because I was thinking finally, you know, we break through and get a little bit of breathing room from these guys. And actually it happened with like 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. And then Auburn had a drive and <laughs> right before the half. And they get down in field goal range. They make it, but Saban had called a timeout. They had Auburn had already celebrated, done all their shit, and then they come back out to kick it again, and we block it. 
And it's pretty cool to because that ended up preserving the shutout. But, um, you know, the other thing that stood out to me, usually I'm pretty good at knowing, okay, the, you know, Auburn guys. I mean, I'm in Auburn country. I live in Auburn country. I have a lot of Auburn friends. Um, I, I do a sports show with several Auburn people. So I know Auburn stuff. And I just, I was watching the game on YouTube, like you probably were, and I couldn't see the names on the jerseys. And I was, I didn't have the volume all the way up. And I was like, who in the hell is their quarterback? And it finally dawned on me, holy shit, that's Cody Burns. Cody, Cody Burns. Oh my God. I mean, I was no, like, no wonder we won the game. They? And they did. No wonder they didn't score. <laughs> and their running back was Mario Fannin. How in the hell did they turn into a Shula team? In a year and a half, they did. That's exactly what they did. They had a bunch of guys that seemed like good recruits that weren't good recruits. I think that I think that's that's exactly true. I also, in retrospect, I think Tommy Tuberville was more coach than recruiter. Now he did have a handful of really good players all the time because you're in the SEC and you're in Alabama and you're beating Alabama, so you're going to have players. But I don't think they ever recruited like they should have, and I don't think they were ever brimming with talent. I, I don't think at any point – I don't know what Tuberville's best team was. I guess that 4 team that had uh, Carnell and Ronnie, Ronnie Brown, I guess that was their best team. But I don't think even that undefeated Auburn 4 team could stand up to, you know, Alabama's rosters under Saban. I mean, maybe their 22 guys might have been really good you know, as a Saban 22 guy, but one through 85, I don't know that they ever had a team like, like Nick Saban's had consistently at Alabama. So I think that's your, your answer to that. Uh, one notable thing about the game is probably because Cody Burns playing quarterback, uh, not one Auburn player had uh, on offense as a running back or wide receiver had any statistics of even note. You know what I mean? They didn't have, anything to hang their hat on nothing worked consistently they did move the ball a little at times and had they scored right before the half and gone into the half 10 to 3 maybe it's a different halftime for both teams I do agree that if if anything's the play of the game it's that uh just the fact that that psychologically Auburn had another letdown going into the locker room at the half and and I think that that might have been what sparked Alabama's dominant second half. And uh, this has already been pointed out to us by one of our podcast fans uh, who watched the 08 Auburn game uh, even before I did, who had said on Twitter, uh, there were, there was a little extra in that rammer jammer at the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there was uh, six years of uh, frustration unleashed in uh, what was the, one of the more emotional rammer jammer cheers uh to be heard in that stadium uh that was a great a great uh point he made and i appreciate that and uh made me pay extra attention to it and uh yeah fun stuff and uh it's always fun to beat auburn and it was certainly fun to beat him that day it had been a long time coming um jimmy let's go ahead and take a break and we'll talk about the second half of the 08 iron bowl and we're back Back. Um, Saban iced the kicker. Saban iced the kicker, as I talked about, and I didn't remember that. And I'll tell you what else I didn't remember. <laughs> and I feel kind of bad about this. 
I didn't remember Nikita Stover being on the team uh, when when there was like a play. We were making a drive, and John Parker. John Parker played a really good game, especially given the weather conditions. And he was sort of scooting around. He was scrambling, and you thought for all the world he was going to take off. And he stops just short of the line of scrimmage and throws one Stover. that it it ends up being short, but and it draws the pass interference. And I'm like. Holy shit, who was number nine? I was like, that can't be Nikita. Oh my God, it is Nikita Stover. And then Nikita Stover caught a touchdown. He did. He got it. Yep, 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 yep. Didn't he catch uh, two touchdowns in 07 against Auburn? I mean, not 07, 06. What really hurt Stover, or, or the way we remember him, I would have to go back and look at that year. But when Stover came out, if I remember right, wasn't he sort of a consensus top prospect in Alabama? Like he was oh, the, God. Number, he one was the number one prospect. Yeah. Whew. The number one. I mean that that must have been a pretty bad year. Just just goes to show how you can cycle. I mean, the number one player in Alabama should be a great player in college and a good NFL prospect. And and I think Stover had injury issues at Alabama that might have affected his ability, uh, you know, to run and cut. Uh, Any good kid and made a contribution and signed with Alabama at a time when it wasn't the cool thing to do. Um, so appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, it was neat seeing Stover score against Auburn in the game that really turned this around. we, we got to think about it in these terms. Auburn had won six in a row. Alabama's rebirth as, as the dynasty was just beginning. That was the game that turned it around. Alabama announced Auburn is no longer the, pre, the, 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 the football program in Alabama. Maybe they have been for the past six years as we went through two rounds of sanctions and about four coaches. We handed the crown to Auburn for those six years that we went through all that, but that, that shit's over. Alabama's back. And, and, and that really was an emphatic 38 to nothing ass kicking that put Alabama back as the preeminent program that Alabama has not given up since. I know Auburn's had some wins over Alabama since 08, some really deflating wins, uh, but there, you know, you th- those Auburn wins stand out because there's been so few losses by Alabama, uh, and, and there's no question. Beginning in 08, beginning with that game, now going on 13 years, Alabama has been the best program in Alabama, sort of unquestioned. Even though, like I said, there's this, you know, one loss in Tuscaloosa in 2010. The next time they came to Tuscaloosa, Auburn rolled in as the eventual national champion and uh, and beat Alabama in 2010. Other than that, it's been you know a kick six. A kick six here, uh, you know they 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 win last year when when Alabama's quarterback and six other starters were out. But that game really did turn around. Let me uh, one more one more point I want to make before turning it over to you. You know what my favorite play in the game is, and it's pretty rare that I say this. My favorite play in the game came from Alabama backup quarterback Greg McElroy threw that touchdown to Mays at the end. That's oh, yeah. for for Alabama's last touchdown. That throw was great. Greg McElroy would win a national championship the following year at Alabama. I don't know that he threw a ball in 2009 any better than that one he threw to Mays in garbage time to give Alabama that final touchdown. That was a perfectly thrown football and probably should have told us. I think we freaked out all summer going, man, our team's pretty good, but we don't have a quarterback that can win a national championship. (laughs) Watch that throw. That throw should have provided us comfort throughout the next summer that maybe McElroy wasn't going to be 
an RG3 type, but McElroy had some skills. That, that was a big-time throw. Yeah, it really was. It, it was a dime, and when I watched it again today, um, at the end of the play, if you watch closely, the ball sort of squirts out. Now, yeah. I believe he he caught it. I believe he had possession, and I believe it was a touchdown, but it was a bang-bang thing. I mean, he caught it maybe took a step, and that's really all you have to do in college football, and then the ball comes out. It was closer than you thought, closer than I remembered. But, of course, I was yeah, there. I didn't remember, I didn't and, remember um, that either. I, I remembered that there was a good throw at the end and that it was McElroy to Mays, but I didn't remember that Mays almost dropped it. And when I say almost dropped it, <laughs> may have dropped it. <laughs> well, but yeah. What a throw. My, uh, my favorite moment in the game was <laughs> – Finding the the being lucky enough to rewatch it today and have the play where Rolando McLean, I can't remember if he recovered a fumble or if he made a sack, but Vern Lundquist got um, all tongue tied and said Orlando McCain. Two, I mean, <laughs> they're not even related. They the names are so different. It's Rolando McLean or Orlando McCain. Orlando McCain sounds like. MacGyver's sidekick, you know, Rolando <laughs> McLean sounds like the best linebacker of the Saban era. Um, and I'll tell you something else that I forgot. Guess what happened? We got an extra point block. Lee Tiffin had an extra point block. Um, as soon as we and, start bragging, we, we brag about Lee Tiffin. We brag about him. And then the next two or three games, there's flubs. <laughs> but, you know, getting a kick block is not the same as, you know, even an extra point. I mean, you know, make could have. Who knows exactly whose fault, but yeah, Lee Tiffin wasn't per. He was one of the best kickers, most accurate kickers in the history of NCAA football, but uh, he wasn't 100%. No, no, he was not. And the other thing is Mark Ingram, I thought he ran hard. He had some nice plays. He caught a great screen pass uh, on a big third down um, and got Alabama in scoring position. I, I think he later on uh, punched it in. He had two touchdowns, 15 carries for 64 yards, and I – you know, Mark Ingram's bugaboo was Auburn. For all the greatness he had, he had tough, tough games. He almost lost the Heisman Trophy against Auburn in 09. Um, yeah, he had a tough, tough time uh, against Auburn. And then, of course, you know, he has the fumble that miraculously skeets across the um, the sideline all the way into the end zone for Auburn to get a touchback uh, in the, in the t- 2010 Iron Bowl. Um, you know, it's – it's pretty unbelievable. Greg McElroy almost went three and zero against Auburn. Uh, Mark Ingram, of course, would have gone three and zero. Julio Jones would have gone three and zero. Yet, just uh, a couple of strange, bizarre circumstances kept that from happening. I also thought there was a great moment in there where the old fiery Nick Saban came out. Oh. PJ Fitzgerald had a bad kick, and he lit into Levi- his ass. I'm talking about levitated. old school lit into his ass. Levitated. Oh, and it's, it's, it's great to watch young, young Nick Saban. He looks so different. This job has and aged him a bit. This job uh, has when, aged him. Oh, this job has aged him. Well, he's been here 14 years. I guess that'll age anybody, but these jobs, there's so, there's so much pressure. And like, how can Saban feel any pressure? He's, his job, it's not about job security. It's about wanting everything perfect every day. And I'll tell you what, uh, we'll, we'll probably never know, even, even being connected to the program, We'll never know. There have probably been multiple crises going on with players and the roster and huge problems that kept him up at night, and we never hear about any of it. 
We just don't know that's that it true. happened. That that and that, that people that think, oh, well, I'm on TI or BOL or I'm on Twitter. Uh, we know everything that happens to the football program. You do not. You do not. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, uh, they keep. They keep. You know, crisis is as quiet as they can. You know, uh, and, and I'm, I'm sure it's not every other day or anything like that. I'm just saying, whew, the, the, that, that's what ages you. That's what ages you. They have to, have to deal with stressful situations and never even make it to, to the media because they, they, they manage to stamp it out before it can hurt recruiting or, or anything else. So, yeah, that's why these jobs can age you. It's not just about because referees make bad calls. It's it's trying to be a surrogate dad to 125 kids that are 18 to 22 years old. Uh, the other thing I noticed was Tim Brando was still in the CBS studios. They went back to Ooh. Brando and like, as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, ah, oh, just, just get the hell I, out I've here. liked listening to the Vern calls myself. I, I know he wasn't. Oh, I do Alabama too. fans at the end, but, but Ir, Vern back then had his fastball. Now he did, he did butcher names, but I, I, I find that endearing and God and anybody out there that thinks, that that makes him bad his job. You you go do it. You 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 do play by play week after week after week with all these kids with and not everybody's name is Bob Smith. And uh yeah, you're gonna flub it up too. It's just not an easy thing to do, even for the pros. But uh, I've enjoyed uh the Vern and uh and Gary calls. Uh I think that I think overall uh they did a great job with it. No, I I I've loved them. Um and I love Vern. I mean, he was like the crazy old uncle. And in the, I watched the 2015 Florida SEC championship game um, the other day, actually no 2016 Florida 16. SEC championship game when, um, cause we played them both in 15 and 16, but in 16 um, we block a punt and he was in the middle of talking about something else. Josh Jacobs gets the block punt and scores a touchdown. He's blocked by Derek Gore. Well, and it's, you can clearly see this on YouTube. I mean, clearly hear it on YouTube. He's talking about something else. And then he just, when he blocks the punt, like his dead silence for a second, he goes, got it. And then they, like, Josh Jacobs starts returning it for a touchdown. It's not a great camera angle, so you can't really tell, but he just goes, got it. Touchdown, Alabama. I mean, you would not have known. You had to be watching pretty perceptively to have any idea what the hell just happened um, because it all happened in a flash and like the cameras weren't really even ready for it. And then he goes, Derek Gore or Josh Jacobs. Uh, scores the touchdown. I mean, it's just, uh, and then the other one I watched the other day was the Missouri game from 2012 when um, 14, it, 13, no, no 14. It was 14. We played Georgia in 12, Missouri in 14. No, no, no. Florida I'm talking about the Missouri game at Missouri. At Missouri. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, the at yeah. Missouri game. The, uh, yeah. I, I, that I was, uh, that was, that was 12. And yeah, first time playing um, at Missouri. TJ Elden. So our first scored. play, yeah. And it, I'm talking about rained like hell, <laughs> Forrest Gump rain, rain everywhere, coming from the ground, all that shit. I think, I think they may have even had a delay in the game kickoff or something. Yeah. But, um, so the first play is like a little bootleg pass to uh, the tight end for about four yards. The second play, uh, Eddie Lacy gets it, and he's just barreling over people and around people, and his big fat ass runs past people, and he cuts to the left and scores. And, and Vern's call is, 
Here goes Lacey, runs through a man, cuts back to the left, right, left, uh, and Edgerin Lacey scores. <laughs> and, once again, Edgerin. I mean, I was like, it's where do you get that Eddie. out of Eddie? If you if his name was Edrin and you called him Eddie, I could let it go. You can't shorten his name by making it longer. <laughs> That's not a nickname. <laughs> Maybe in his mind, he's like, this kid is as good as Edgerin James. <laughs> That's the only Edgerin I know. It's, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. There's very few Edrins, um, but that's there's just one, and he was a running back. Now, I like uh, I like um, Brad Nestler. I do. I like Brad oh, Nestler. Brad. Brad's, and, Brad's, um, so Brad's a pro. Brad was the call on the in the '99 Sugar Bowl when Freddie Millens caught the corner. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah, yeah Brad's I, a pro. I remember I mean, like, that's just my the best shit best. Like yeah, it's the best compliment I give play-by-play guys. I mean, some, some guys are just great professionals, and 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 Nestler's one of them for sure. All right, buddy. So uh, Monday, I think we'll do. Uh, let's plan on doing 08 Florida SEC Championship. But I might. I yeah. mean, this coronavirus might have us in a shitty mood, and I don't know that we need to do a loss. So what if? What instead? What if instead, since everybody's talking about Georgia, let's do 2015 in Athens. The Jake, uh, another rainy game. Didn't it rain like a month? Or I'll let you make the call. Or the 2012 SEC title game. Whew. That's one of the Mac daddies. Let's do 2015 Georgia just because 2012 Georgia might be. I had a buddy the other day tell me this. a uh, very astute football guy. So he says 2012 Georgia might be the best game of the whole Saban era. I mean, in terms of it, it was the de facto national championship. It was the de facto national championship game. There's dudes. And, and start to finish. Yeah, at the start to finish of the game is fantastic. And it had a great, you know, ending, you know, where Alabama scores late and appears over, but Georgia and Aaron Murray fight back and it takes a defensive play at the end. But his point was, you know, it's really a de facto national championship game and players all over the field. And the game was just compelling with all sorts of great plays on both sides that just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, uh, and yeah, so that's a good one. We'll, we'll do 2015 Georgia and Athens. We'll do that. Okay. And the, the thing about 2012, too, is um, – you know the the Georgia game and for the national championship was a really only good from an Alabama perspective for a half, and it really wasn't even good for a half. It was good for like three quarters of the half, second half. Um, but right. the 2012 Georgia game, man, it had you know block kick for a touchdown. It had uh, Todd Gurley, and it had uh, Eddie Lacy, and it had T.J. Yeldon, and it had. AJ McCarron and Amari Cooper and just blah 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 blah. I mean, it had what I think Slay for Georgia was on that team, wasn't he? Darius Slay, who everybody's yeah, talking uh, about. Right, right. He's been in the news today. Uh, yeah, Georgia had just fantastic talent up and down the field, but of course, so did Alabama. And Aaron Murray still holds a ton of Georgia school records to this day. He won a lot of games over there. <laughs> All right, buddy. So uh, that'll be for next week. That'll be for next week, and everybody stay safe and uh, try to stay, try to stay home. Do your part.
do your part in uh, in not spreading the virus. You may have it and not know it. You may you may have it and not know it. Um, and but that doesn't mean that you won't give it to someone else who gets really really sick because of it. So stay home. The more people that stay home and do their part, the quicker we can get through this and actually have a football season because it's fair for us to start worrying about that. You know, I was going to do a like a PSA like you just did. You did it perfectly and eloquently. But um, I was going to do the old, the more you know with the star <laughs> shooting like they yeah. used to do. Except NBC. because of trademarks, yeah, I was going to have to change it to the more you know, dumbass. That was what I was going to do. <laughs> I like yours better. I like yours. That would have been if NBC had done that for Saturday morning cartoons. You know, that would have been great. Or if GI Joe had been like, "And knowing's half the battle." You stupid little shit. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been more impactful. See, that's impactful. Oh yeah, it would resonate. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right, roll tide, everybody. Roll tide.